MSW Media. News with Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, April 19th, 2021. Today, a founding member of the Oath Keepers, John Schaefer, becomes the insurrection's first cooperating witness. A discussion with Andrew McCabe about the new Kalimnik Manafort evidence. The Department of Justice files a civil suit against Roger Stone for tax evasion. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rep Gosar try to start a Ku Klux caucus, then quickly pretend they had nothing to do with it. The insurrection bullhorn lady is chewed out from mocking the court. And a new development in the Gates investigation because, lordy, there are tapes. <laughs> I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Gold. Dana, it was just like we just talked because you were on the Friday show. I feel like it hasn't been a, a long, super long time since I've talked to you, but how was your weekend regardless? Weekend was good. Weekend is good. Yeah, nothing to complain about. It's so funny because I'm actually like, let's not talk about the weekend. I want to get to the gate story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one today. And uh, yeah. I, I'm feeling extra feisty today. So we've got some clips uh, the, the the script has been punched up sufficiently. I think everyone's going to enjoy what we have to say today, although there is some uh, not the best news in the world as well. But uh, we're going to bring the news to you the best we can. It is my free day. I have now two weeks from my second dose Ooh, of Pfizer. Congratulations. So I can go out and lick doorknobs, but I will not. I will continue to wear my mask and be socially distant. Although, you know, things are starting to gradually like there's some like patio karaoke uh, at Urban Mo's that we, you know, I might go check out, you know, um, I'm feeling a little more like I can start creeping out into the world, you know, with my mask and, you know, with the, you know, everything else. But um, it's just the the weather's beautiful. I, I don't know. I'm feeling more hopeful. Good. Uh, and join us this week on Stereo, Andrew, uh, at Andrew AG on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern and uh, Dana AG on Thursdays. Five eight. See, that's how I'm going to get around the Dana and me, Dana and I, Andrew and I. There you go. I'll just be <laughs> Andrew Ag and Dana Ag, Agdg. So later on in the show too, I got to have a really uh, quite an in depth conversation with former acting director of the FBI, Andy McCabe, about all this new information and that tid- tidbit of new evidence we got from the U.S. Treasury Department about Kalimnik and what he did with the sensitive voter slash polling data he got from Manafort from the Trump campaign, etc. So we'll be talking about that and the implications there. Uh, so it's going to be a great show. So I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I'm happy to I'm happy to talk to you. I missed you over the weekend, my friend. You too. And if you don't follow AG on Twitter, you should because the interview you you have the cartography of the interview with McCabe. If you're following AG, or she put her notes up, it's worth a follow. It really is. I did. I, I uh, it's at at Mueller. She wrote. I put my notes up every time I talk to to McCabe. It's just this disjointed sort of <laughs> pictogram without pictures. It's hard to explain my thought process. Maybe someone who is an expert can explain it to me. I don't know. It's just, yeah. you could see what my brain looks like on paper. Uh, all right. We, we have a lot of news to get to. Let's do this. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
All right, lead story today. One of the founding members of the Oath Keepers, John Schaefer, pled guilty Friday and agreed to cooperate against others in the case. He is the first defendant to publicly flip in the sprawling domestic terrorism investigation that has led to charges against more than 410 people. And I want to emphasize the word that they sort of glossed over this in the article, but they said first defendant to publicly flip in the sprawling domestic terrorism investigation. I emphasize publicly because there's been a few criminal information documents filed in the investigation. And as we know, criminal investigation documents can be an indicator of a plea agreement. I'll talk about that a little bit more. It doesn't necessarily guarantee one. But Schaefer is the first publicly known cooperator in the investigation. The plea marks a new stage in the historic investigation as prosecutors uh, seek to work up the chain of defendants to gather evidence and better understand the scope uh, and any planning and organizing of the violence, particularly among white supremacist groups like the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. Now, Schaefer, 53, a guitarist and lead songwriter for the heavy metal band (laughs) Iced Earth, uh, abandoned his pet tarantula and imaginary girlfriend when he was arrested for his crimes against the United States. I feel like that was just like a weird political Mad Lib where you filled in nouns and verbs and adverbs <laughs> where you're like, a guitarist, lead singer, heavy metal, tarantula. What? <laughs> uh, the, the tarantula and imaginary girlfriend were my special additions to that. <laughs> Why don't you take Allison to one of your heavy metal vomit parties? Uh, no, thank you. Anyway, Schaefer was charged Friday by criminal information. As I said earlier, I mentioned that's the type of charging document used when a defendant waives the right to an indictment. And uh, other insurrectionists have been charged in this manner as well, though Heavy Metal Vomit Man is the first public cooperator that we know of. He was initially charged with six crimes, including engaging in an act of physical violence and targeting police with bear spray. But he's pled down to just two charges, obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress and trespassing on restricted grounds of the grounds of the Capitol while armed with a deadly or dangerous weapon. Under the terms of the plea deal signed by Schaefer and his attorney, he now faces a recommended prison term of 41 to 51 months under non-binding federal guidelines, though his sentence will ultimately be decided by the judge. And these things are fluid. More charges could come. He could blow up his plea deal. They might not get anything from him. He could bring really important information and plead down to one charge. We, it's Everything mm-hmm. is fluid. We don't know what's going to happen here, but we'll keep you uh, posted on it. And the FBI and the Justice Department have hit about a dozen members of an associates of the anti-government group, the Oath Keepers, with conspiracy charges for allegedly planning and preparing the violence ahead of the insurrection. Uh, I don't buy that they need this guy's cooperation to prove that. So I don't know that he's necessarily there to roll on other Oath Keepers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That leaves the big question, right? Is he going to roll on other Oath Keepers and Proud Boys to help prosecutors pursue those seditious conspiracy or even RICO charges? Or is he going to roll on bigger fish like Roger Stone? I don't know, but uh, we'll we'll stay on top of it. But look for more assholes yeah. to start flipping. We don't know. Totally, because usually little fish don't roll on little fish. Little fish roll on bigger fish. Right, yeah. Or same-sized fish. Or if they're doing seditious conspiracy and they want to prove Rico, they might need him for that. Right. Who knows? We'll learn more about it. And in related news, Rachel Powell, the insurrection octo-mom charged in connection with the attack on the Capitol, is in hot water with a federal judge after wearing a see-through mesh mask to the bookstore where she worked, which would normally just be indicative of being a reckless asshole, but in this case, it was in defiance of a judge's order. Quote, defendant's decision appear to appear in a video wearing a mask with holes in it at work mocks compliance with the court's order setting as a condition of pretrial release that she wear a mask whenever she leaves her residence. Uh, That's a statement from U.S. District Judge Royce Lamberth. 
Uh, go on, Judge. He says, no reasonable person could think that a defendant's mask complied with that condition, which Chief Justice Beryl Howell imposed to ensure the defendant would not pose a risk to the health and safety of the community when she left her house. Lamberth continues, the court does not take defend the defendant's willingness to flout the court's order lightly and ordered Powell to show cause in writing no longer than 10 days from this date, which was Friday, why the court should not revoke her pretrial release, order her detained pending trial or hold her in contempt. So now she has to write an essay. She has 10 days to write an essay <laughs> about why she's an insufferable asshole. Uh, I don't know, though. If they didn't snap back Roger Stone for posting that photo of Judge Beryl Howell behind crosshairs, I'm not sure they'll slap the shackles on Octomom. I'm with you. But if it were up to me, though, she'd be back in prison tomorrow because not wearing a mask is a danger to the public. And it wasn't just wear a mask and then you can wear a mask with holes in it. You know, it, it was to to prevent, you know, for public safety, for the health and yeah. well-being of others. So it was explained why the mask needed to be worn. And she flouted that. So we'll see what happens. Lock her up. Is there anything? Lock her up. All right. Speaking of locking people up, I would love this woman to end up behind bars. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gozar uh, in Arizona are starting, as we said at the top of the hour, they're trying to start a right-wing Ku Klux caucus in Congress that seeks to, quote, follow in the former guy's footsteps. It says his name. I don't want to. Which could prove yet another thorn in the side of Republican leaders already struggling against being labeled as white nationalists. That seems to be a problem. Yeah, it, it, it already said, the, the story actually said uh, Republican leaders struggling against division in their party. And I was like, no, that's not what they're no. struggling against. <laughs> no, not at all. They're struggling against being labeled Nazis. Uh, according to a seven-page policy platform published say that five times fast, by Punchbowl News, the group wants members to display, quote, a certain intellectual boldness and be willing to step on some toes and sacrifice sacred cows, which is the weirdest fucking statement, let's be honest. A lengthy passage on immigration says the U.S. is, quote, a nation with a border and a culture strengthened by a common respect for uniquely Anglo-Saxon political traditions, which is, quote, threatened when foreign citizens are imported en masse. Jesus Christ. But what about what about foreign Anglo-Saxon citizens? Is yeah, that that's that's mm. Yeah, cuz you know, uh, apparently they forget that this land wasn't always your land and my land. This land belonged <laughs> to Native Americans. Um under the quote infrastructure, the platform promotes quote architectural engineering and aesthetic value that benefits the progeny of European architecture, echoing the former guys now revoked executive order banning many modern architectural styles for federal government buildings. Yeah, I don't know. It just sounds like infrastructure platform, architectural engineering and aesthetic value that benefits the progeny of European architecture. That sounds like breeding to me. That sounds like a kind of like a, a metaphor for the architecture of the people of this country. And that freaks me 100%. out. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And this will come as no shock to you, but apparently that guy, Matt Gates in Florida, you know, the one under federal investigation for an alleged sexual relationship with a 17 year old. Well, he tweeted that he's proud to be joining the caucus. So Matt Gates is totally into the caucus on that one. Uh, but this just in a G we got news on this story. Apparently, Green and Gosar are, are distancing themselves already from, from their own idiot caucus. Yes. So Gozar said in a Saturday statement that he <laughs> did not author this. I did not author the document in the, the one that circula that's in circulation and only became aware of it 
after it was reported by the news media and added that, quote, he will continue to work on America First issues in the House Freedom Caucus. So all of a sudden, don't know who wrote that. He didn't author it. Don't know where it came from. And then he says, let me be perfectly clear. I did not author this paper. In fact, I first became aware of it by reading about it in the news yesterday, like everyone else. Mm. (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) Additionally, Nick Dyer, a spokesperson for uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene said in a statement that the document was merely an early planning proposal and nothing was agreed upon or approved. Oh, she went on to say the document was quote, a staff level draft proposal from an outside group that I hadn't read. So they didn't read it supposedly before they started promoting this very racist, racist idea. It's going to get to one of those 51st dates in the cafe scenes where she's just like, I can't read. And that will be her defense, you know. <laughs> um, and oh, my God. Matt- Speaking of Matt Gates, <laughs> tell me, tell me. Oh, my God. Matt Gates's former girlfriend has told friends that she's worried that the woman who's central to the federal sex crimes investigation tried to get her to incriminate Matt on a recorded phone call. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. And it actually is pretty serious for Matt Gates. Uh, this revelation raises the possibility that federal prosecutors now have two top cooperating witnesses. The woman who was an alleged sex trafficking victim when she was a minor and Gates's best bro tax man, former Seminole County tax collector, Joel Greenberg. Gates's former girlfriend has paid a, played a bit role in the unfolding public drama. She is the woman, by the way, who sent Gates a nude video of her performing a hula hoop dance uh, that he has since showed to other members of Congress. But two of her friends who declined to be identified publicly because they're trying to keep a low profile says she now suspects she was being set up when an alleged victim and another woman involved in the case called her to discuss matt in what she fears might have been a recorded conference call the call took place sometime after greenberg was indicted for the sex crimes in august now i've done a little research i found that florida is a two-party consent state meaning you cannot record someone without their consent dc however is a one-party consent state Uh, I don't know what it means if you're calling from a two party to a one party and and it's not a state I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing it into existence. Absolutely. Uh, or if, if the call goes from the other way and I don't know where the parties were at the time, but I imagine if you're working with the feds and they have a warrant to record the call, I'm thinking you're shit out of luck. So these two friends did not provide details about exactly what was discussed, but one recounted that Gates's ex-girlfriend said she was opposed to talking to authorities and is now worried the prosecutors might try to charge her with obstructing justice in order to roll her up on Matt Gates. Uh, all three women on the call were on that Bahamas trip, currently under investigation, and a different mutual friend said, quote, Tallahassee is like high school, but no one ever graduates. Wow. Gross. Speaking of disgusting people, the Justice Department <laughs> filed a civil lawsuit against former the former guy's ally, Roger Stone. Man, he's been in a lot of trouble lately. This was on Friday, accusing him and his wife of owing nearly $2 million in unpaid taxes, AG. Yes, this is a six-count civil complaint. Investigators said Stone and his wife, Nydia Stone, owed about $1.5 million in unpaid taxes from 2007 and 2011, and an additional 407000 
from just 2018 alone. And this is a quote, the Stones evaded and frustrated the IRS's collection efforts by repeatedly funneling money to a corporate entity they controlled called Drake Ventures. And that's what the investigator said. So Stone and his wife then used Drake Ventures, that account to quote, fund a lavish lifestyle despite owing nearly $2 million in unpaid taxes, interest, and penalties. So according to this complaint, the Stones allegedly used this Drake Ventures account to pay for personal expenses like spa visits, haircuts, groceries, restaurants, dentist appointments. Dentist appointments. Dentist appointments. (laughs) Yep, covered those. And this is what Stone said. And the government statement is preposterous. Stone said in a statement to CNN, they're well aware that my two-year struggle against the epically corrupt Mueller investigation has left my wife and I on the verge of bankruptcy. First of all, <laughs> you moron, it's my wife and me. So there's that. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Yep. Thank you very much. And then he went on to say, I've continued to eke out a living through my company, Drake Ventures. To describe my current la- lifestyle as lavish would be Proved to be ridiculous in court, the political motivation of the DOJ will abundantly will be abundantly clear at trial. Dun dun dun! Oh my God! Eke out a living through Drake Ventures. I know. And every time they're like the Stones when they talk about him and his wife, I'm like Mick Jagger. Oh my God! <laughs> I just keep thinking. <laughs> and Keith Richards is like, "What the fuck, man?" Somewhere, oh, man. just really upset. Ah, uh, yeah, the good old epically corrupt Mueller investigation. Mm-hmm. Mm. That keeps being proven right over and over and over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of which, we'll be right back with former acting director of the FBI during the oranges of the Russia probe, Andy McCabe. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans, and I've got a question for you. How many subscription services are you paying for each month? Do you know? Subscriptions add up, and sometimes we don't notice the monthly deductions from our bank accounts. 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Are you one of them? I was one of them. If so, I recommend using Truebill. Truebill is the easy-to-use app that's the smartest way to manage your finances, with a variety of tools to help customers improve their finances as well. Truebill lets you review your recurring charges in one place and cancel subscriptions directly through the app. You can create a monthly budget, Track your expenses, track and evaluate savings goals, and get automated savings where you where you choose how much to put away each week. You can get push notifications when you're getting close to going over your budget, and with Truebill, you can easily identify fraudulent activity. Truebill offers multiple ways to save money and allows you to work with many of the nation's top providers to negotiate and lower your bills, including AT&T, T-Mobile, and Spectrum. With bank-level security, Truebill helps you feel good about your finances, and it has saved users more than $50 million. With over 1 million users, read their rave reviews at Truebill.com. The average person saves $720 a year with Truebill. Get started today at Truebill.com slash beans. Take control of your finances and start saving at Truebill.com slash beans. Again, that's Truebill.com slash beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am joined today by former acting director of the FBI and author of the book, The Threat. Please welcome Andrew McCabe. Andy, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm great. How How's the family? How's the kids? How's Jill? Is everybody vaxxed and ready to go? Yeah. So Jill and I are, and uh, my son just got vaccinated. My daughter uh, will, I think, in the next couple of weeks. They're both away at school and doing really well. Everybody stayed healthy. 
um, anxious to kind of get back out into the world, like I'm sure everyone else is. But uh, yeah, we're doing good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, too, I know that a bunch of colleges are now starting to say that you can't come back to in-person learning in the fall if you're not vaccinated. And um, I personally think that's a good way to go. Uh, but it's only a handful of schools at this point. We'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm glad that you guys are doing well. Thanks. Now, the reason I have you here today is because, gosh, all of a sudden, uh, Mueller, she wrote, is, is relevant uh, again. I wrote a thread in May of 2018 about uh, Manafort on August 2nd, 2016, meeting with Kalimnik at the Grand Havana Cigar Room in uh, Kushner's Devil Building, which is 666 Fifth Avenue. It's so theatrical. I mean, you can just imagine <laughs> it, right? <laughs> right. And, uh, and then, of course, Deripaska's plane lands. There's a flight. Pick up a prime minister. They go onto a boat, which is a yacht, really. Let's be honest. And I remember Nastya Ribka filming on this boat and Navalny actually releasing those tapes. And, and you know, I had said, I think there's going to be superseding indictments on Manafort. This is collusion. This is what you're talking about. This is precisely what the definition is. But then when the Mueller report came out, uh, Mueller said, yep, the stuff was handed over. And then Gates was responsible for handing the stuff over. But we don't know what happened to it afterwards. And I wanted to sort of ask you why he wasn't able to sort of cross that line. I think it might have something to do with what he also mentioned in his report, which was a lot of people lied to us. That's right. That's right. And and he points that out specifically with respect to Manafort. He says in that uh, chapter where he's detailing the exchanges of, of po internal polling data and things like that through Gates uh, to Kalimnik, he's, he, um, Mueller points out that Manafort can't be relied on, that Manafort lied to the special counsel and to the grand jury about these matters. And at the end of the day, um, Manafort denied, well, he claimed he couldn't remember any specific directions that he gave to Kalimnik about um, why the polling data would be beneficial uh, and where it should go and that sort of thing. So it's pretty clear that, um, you know, uh, the special counsel team didn't believe Manafort at that point, but that's a, a pretty big step short of having solid evidence that he lied or covered up a cons conspiracy. Yeah, right. Because we know uh, I was reading Weissman's book um, and they were like, you know, we, we, we did have enough to get Manafort on conspiracy. However, we had all this tax fraud and business fraud and we were able to connect it, for, you know, 10 year old tax fraud to current uh, conspiracy. And so we were able to charge this. And that was just easier because we had all the documentary evidence. That's right. And 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 Rick Gates um, I think they were, and this is just conjecture, but I think they were concerned that he wouldn't be a very reliable witness because he himself is pretty much a dirt ball. Uh, but at that sort of became like, we learned that to be true. There were, there was a juror who, who had to rely solely on the documents and not on what Gates said. And that's where that hung jury came on, on some of the counts. But uh, that that particular juror was like, but the documents don't lie. And so, you know, I, I have a feeling that they sort of kind of decided not to prosecute because first of all, I mean, it's a really high bar to, to, to go down that route. Yeah. You know, you, a, cons a criminal conspiracy, which is of course what Mueller was trying to prove, not collusion specifically, which collusion is <laughs> not really a crime. Criminal conspiracy is the crime. And to prove a criminal conspiracy, you have to have evidence of an agreement. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean like written down, I, Paul Manafort, agree to, to engage in the following criminal acts with you, uh, Vladimir Putin. That would be nice if we had that, but we didn't. Um, but you have to have evidence of an exchange of benefit, um, 
you know, acting in concert. Also, all, there's different types of of um, of evidence that you can use to prove the agreement. But you, at the end of the day, you have to have it. It's a pretty high bar. Um, and in this case, we knew that Manafort had given the polling data over to Kalimnik. We knew that Kalimnik had, as as Mueller describes it, had ties to Russian intelligence. But they couldn't show the end of that line of logic that Kalimnik had actually delivered the material to the Russian intelligence service. And that's the difference with the revelation we got this week. It seems with the Treasury Department's um, public statement about the uh, about the sanctions that the that the Biden administration imposed on Russia this week, they are very clearly calling out Kalimnik for having provided that specific polling data to the Russian intelligence services. So they have, well, I would, I assume, and I'm fairly confident in this assumption that the government is sitting on some uh, incontrovertible evidence that that material made its way into the hands of the FSB. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I've talked to a ton of, you know, former prosecutors, um, and federal prosecutors, former U.S. attorneys who 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 say, you know, we've convicted on less. We've convicted c- criminal conspiracy on on less. And when you consider the totality of the evidence in the Mueller investigation seems seems like a slam dunk is is choosing not to to prosecute that more of a conservative choice, do you think? I, I, because of the level or the exposure yeah. of the case? Yeah, I think, look, I, I think they made many very conservative choices in the way that they talked about their evidence and the way they talked about possible um charges and in, and in the charges they brought. I think that I would expect that Mueller um, would only bring absolutely ca- unassailable cases forward and not wanting to risk looking like they were out on a headhunting expedition or trying to make political headlines or anything like that. I think Mueller probably held them to a very, very high bar of only bringing cases that were absolutely undeniable on the evidence. So the ones that were a little shakier and there's look, there's always prosecute. Look, well, I say prosecutors love to say, oh, if I had that evidence, I would have brought that charge. You know, that's it's easy to be um, bold when it's not actually your case. Uh, so some of those some of those comments are are, are a little bit uh, hyperbolic. But nevertheless, um, you know, uh, a more aggressive prosecutor may have decided to bring that stuff forward. Yeah. But then you're walking that fine line of being constantly under the threat of being fired. Sure. Uh, and then you wouldn't have been able to put out any work product um, and we wouldn't have that really nice, crisp, delicious volume two uh, that that we got. Although I think Mueller is a volume one guy. I'm a volume two person. I think he was a volume one guy, but I think he wanted to get all that information out there. It was just railroaded by Rosenstein and Barr. And when you talk about that there, you, you don't have any proof of this. You don't know for sure, but you, you speculate that there's probably some irrefutable evidence now that they're able to make that statement. Does that mean that there, this investigation could uh, continue? I don't know. I mean, Manafort has this kind of blanket pardon for anything that came out of the Mueller investigation, but if Mueller didn't have that evidence, I don't know that that counts. Well, you know, it would be really hard, uh, I think, to hold Manafort accountable for anything related to this conduct. At this point, with the pardon in his pocket, um, it's a very powerful tool. However, um, there, there are un- these are incredibly significant underlying matters, right? The fact that Konstantin Kalimnik is a Russian agent, essentially working in concert with the Russian intelligence services, um, delivering uh, sensitive campaign information to them. Like 
the FBI is not going to forget about him. They're not going to forget about the people that he interacts with. Even though he's not here, he's someone who will be kind of, you know, go down in the annals of FBI foreign counterintelligence work as a Russian agent to be taken very seriously. So that sort of investigation goes on. The FBI never stops looking away from the Russian target set. And the more that we find out from this series of events, the the more light we shed on on that threat. Yeah, I concur. Now, I have you mentioned sanctions. I do have a couple questions about sanctions, but I have to take a really quick break. Will you stay with me? Of course. Oh, thank you so much. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG here. If you're a business owner who's hiring, you probably face a lot of challenges when it comes to finding the right person for your role. You can go from not enough applicants with the right skills or experience to having too many resumes to sort through, yet you need to hire ASAP. Many times, the difficulty is not knowing where to post your job to reach the right people. Hiring can feel like a trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent to over one 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. It's no wonder over 2.3 million businesses have come to ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. So while other companies overwhelm you with too many options, ZipRecruiter finds what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash dailybeans. Once again, Go to this unique place, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans, all one word, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to former acting director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe. And seriously, you need to read his book, The Threat. It will give you so much information on uh, on a bunch of new stuff that I think is about to come out that will really kind of help you understand the oranges of, of Crossfire Hurricane, uh, how the FBI operates. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's just an outstanding book. So I, I recommend picking it up. It's called The Threat. Now, before the break, you had mentioned the sanctions that we just slapped on Russia. We gave them sanctions. Yes. For the solar winds hack, for interfering in 2020, not necessarily for the Russian bounties because they're still looking into that, or they didn't say it didn't happen. Right. They didn't say it did happen, uh, and and so now regarding these sanctions, they expelled some Russian diplomats. I've, every time we hear. Um, about some Russian sanctions going down or the Russians do something, we respond. We're always expelling diplomats. And they say they're expelling them because it turns out they're actually probably spies, right? <laughs> and so my number one question, uh, every time they do this, and forgive me if I sound completely naive on this because I just don't understand it, is if you knew that they were intelligence agents for Russia, why did you let them stay? Do we let them stay, monitor them? I mean, I've seen you know, the Americans. But do we just kind of let them do their thing, monitor them, because that's how we can gather intelligence and sort of save them up in a hopper until we have to retaliate against Russia, and then, bam, we've got some people to expel? What's that process? Well, it's a it's a really fascinating and complicated, multifaceted um, uh, process, investigation, like a never-ending inquiry that the FBI maintains on the presence of potential Russian agents here in the United States. And of course, I have to be very careful about how uh, what I reveal in this answer. So I may be a little, forgive me for being a little bit obtuse or academic here, but 
Um, so that, so one place that you would want the most obvious place that you would look to see if there was Russian malign intelligence activity taking place here would quite obviously be the embassy. So that is something that happens every day. Um, the Bureau is constantly trying to get better information on exactly who's there and, and what they might be up to. If in the course of that inquiry, you find someone who you think is actually engaged in intelligence gathering activity, um, there's a couple things you might do. You might build a case against them. Um, you might indict them for committing espionage if they were in fact doing that um, and try to prosecute them and throw them in jail. Or you might bring that evidence together and use it to decide to uh, kick them out of the country, a process that we call persona non grata or referred to as PNG. So you could do that as well. Or you might just take advantage of it as an opportunity to watch that person go through their work and to develop more a more rich and detailed understanding of what the Russians are interested in, right? So if you know what an intelligence officer is doing here, that reveals essentially the intents, the plans um, of the hostile foreign power that that officer is working for. So it can be a great intelligence collection opportunity, or you can use it as a diplomatic tool with PNG, or you can just use it to throw someone in jail for violating the laws of the United States. Now, the PNG process, you should always, you have to go into it knowing that whatever steps we take against Russian diplomats here, that's going to be at least um, mirrored by Russian activity uh, in Russia. So if we kick out a few of theirs, that they're going to respond by kicking out at least the same number of ours. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, too, because now Merrick Garland, for example, is not allowed to set foot in Russia. Uh, Susan Rice, who who tweeted a very <laughs> hilarious uh, photo of just this remote kind of sh like shack, and she's like, oh, darn, there goes my Airbnb vacation in Siberia. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of the, the tit for tat, right? And I, I, for my understanding, or at least the readouts of the, of the calls that, that Biden has had with Putin, by the way, how nice is it to get readouts of calls, uh, with the president and, and Putin? Uh, it's just, it's night and day, but you know, I think he, so strangely <laughs> professional and normal, I think he right? was saying, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not going f full crazy on this right now because you know we're, we're yeah. but we have to respond and we're looking at you on this and i mean you know it's kind of it's towing this very tenuous line yeah it really is it was a it was an interesting move they took he'd been taking some criticism and rightly so for not being harsh enough uh, but i think i get the sense he's trying to leave the door open to possibly have the summit meeting with putin in the next few months and try to start to normalize things a little bit the, the of all the sanctions the ones that they really care about are the ones that hurt them economically sanctioning individuals I mean they can't travel here anymore that's just really kind of, um, you know, for publicity value, nobody really cares about that. But when you hurt the Russians in their pocketbook, you have done some damage. The most significant for my money is the one that prohibits American banks from purchasing Russian debt. Um, it's not a complete block on Russian uh, indirect access to the U.S. financial system, but it's like the first step in that direction. So you can imagine if they had decided to go tougher or if they decide to do that in the future, which is always possible, you could be looking at a situation like Iran, right, where um, they just cannot 
do any conduct any financial uh, transactions that come through American banks or American institutions, and we would could even start penalizing other countries' uh, financial institutions for doing business with Russia. You could you could isolate them in a very very damaging way economically, and I'm sure that's lurking in the back of Putin's head now. Right, and that's precisely what we did with Iran, and we caught Malaysia circumventing those sanctions. Uh, that's right, and indicted indicted several of those. Oddly, friends of Rudy Giuliani. Okay, now. Um, finally, are these are these Magnitsky sanctions? Uh, does the OFAC list, which is the you know the list that the Treasury Department keeps of all the sanctions, is that specifically for Magnitsky sanctions, or are there different kinds of sanctions under different laws? There are different sources of sanctions, um, and Magnitsky is a separate law that was passed by uh, Congress, specifically uh, in the wake of the torture and killing of Sergei Magnitsky. Um, and so it's it's it is meant to be directed at those sorts of human rights abuses. Um, and there's a process with it that's kind of unique from the typical OFAC sanctions in which Congress can make a demand on the administration to provide a report about uh, the potential, you know, violation of the Magnitsky Act. Um, they made such a demand to the Trump administration and the Trump administration just ignored it. <laughs> so hopefully... Right. We have a different approach to that in the future. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it's a different it's a different um, kind of a set of sanctions based on a different law. Yeah, because these aren't humanitarian violations; these are are strictly hacking. Uh, you know, that's right. That's right. So Congress actually invoked the Magnitsky Act after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And, you know, that sets in motion this process where I think the administration gets 60 days to comprise a report and report back to Congress as to what they think happened. And then that could lead to sanctions. But as I said, the Trump uh, administration just ignored the request. And mm-hmm. But if real Haynes said, said, I'll follow the law. And she actually right. has turned that over. Uh, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah. And now with we, we see what's going on with Navalny. Uh, and I think that that is... Um, it is just it smacks of what happened to Magnitsky to me. I mean, it's just carbon copies in the same penal colony. Yeah. I mean, look, the president was right when he said that Vladimir Putin is a killer. He is a killer. Um, the government of Russia pursues a policy of international assassinations uh, as if it were like, you know, trade negotiations or something. That is just a part of who they are as a government. Um, and so I think that this this. Um, you know, what they've done to Navalny is is kind of consistent with that approach. They just eliminate people who they think are damaging or uh, dangerous to the political success and survival of the president. Now, one last question before I let you go. I don't know if you can answer this, but it's the it's the question I get the most often about Russia. Why was Simeon Mogilevich taken off the top 10 most wanted list? <laughs> I don't I cannot answer that question for you. All right, I figured as much. <laughs> now, tell me everything you know. No, I'm just. <laughs> I, I know just less joking. and less every day. I, I'm successfully forgetting more and more all the time. Oh, well, well done, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming and talking. There's just so much I think that's going to be revealed. I don't know that we're going to get the prosecutions we wish we would yeah. have gotten. Uh, but the truth is important as well. It is. And I'm so appreciative of your un- undying interest in it and your audience's uh, continued interest in it. It is so important that we get to the bottom of these things. And every time we chip away and expose another fact, 
we continues, we undermine this nonsensical, maniacal claim of, oh, it was all a hoax. We know very well it wasn't a hoax. The investigation, the prospect that the campaign may have been working in concert with uh, Russian intelligence. And so we just continue chipping away at it and shed a little bit more light on what was truly going on there. So I think it's it's great that people are still interested in it. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping we would say adios to Durham uh, based on this information, <laughs> but I both. guess he's still around, uh, puttering around. Anyway, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Everybody pick up The Threat, such an important book. And uh, I, I appreciate your time today. Former acting director of the FBI, Andy McCabe. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, providing professional, convenient online counseling. Life is very unpredictable. It's stressful, and sometimes it can be completely overwhelming. When I'm feeling the pressure and anxiety of tough situations, I try to remember I don't have to face them alone, and neither do you. So if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living your happiest life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate life's challenges. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can and start communicating in under 24 hours. As you know, I've had my own challenges with post-traumatic stress and anxiety, and I know how important it is to seek help rather than to try to take it on by yourself. I love how convenient BetterHelp's service is. It's available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your counselor. You get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches too, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is always available, so visit their website and read testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user J.O., who writes, I've been bouncing from therapist to therapist for over two years now. This is the first time I feel like I'm collaborating with a therapist on my mental health. I truly feel like I have an advocate who's helping me live according to my own values. Highly recommend. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Ah, well, that was a hell of an interview. So I appreciate uh, Andy coming and talking to us. He is a good man. He really is. Um, just super kind. And his family is awesome as well. Uh, all right. We have good news. If you have good news, corrections, uh, any, we're playing a million games, right? <laughs> so many uh, games. What the mutt? Send us your favorite swear word. Twister, Miss- you can't see us playing it, but we're doing it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> misheard lyrics. <laughs> Mondegreen, right? Yeah. Lady Mondegreen, and uh, anything you want to send us, and, and but especially like corrections. I want to make sure I get everything right. And there's a lot of legal stuff that I went over in this episode. So you just do all that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, and we for- start uh, this off with a correction. Multiple listeners wanted to make sure AG. Uh, knows how to pronounce San Luis Obispo. Uh, Louis rhymes with poopis, not Louis rhymes with poopy. Or if you want to go the whole brevity route, slow works. Well, yeah, I could go slow. So it's San Luis. I really love that this person, and listen, thank you for all the corrections, but instead of saying like St. Louis, they said rhymes with poopis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> San, San Luis Obispo? San Luis Obispo. Oh, all right. I actually didn't know that either, so now I can say it correctly as well, so I don't look. But I do actually use the slow. 
SLO slow. Yeah, I'm just going to call it slow from now on. That'll fix everything. All right. Well, we'll get the correction out of the way. Yeah. And let's get to the good news. So we got Jesse pronounce he, him, and there's an included tax. So two shots for my daily hikes to the top of, uh, I'm going to assume it's Cerro San Luis. <laughs> Cerro San Luis or San Luis. I think it's San Luis. Uh, and a pet tax. Yeah of our Frenchie Cobalt. Now, we think he may have been trying to make friends with the statue. The photo of the mountain is in the Bishop's Peak, part of Nine Sisters in Slow. And the other is just a spectacular sunrise from Cerro San Luis. I included them as they brighten my day, so hopefully they brighten yours too. Cheers, ladies, and thank you for everything you do. These pictures, especially the second one, looks like something from Hawaii, are absolutely stunning. Oh. And the dog... The Frenchie trying to make friends with this statue is adorable. (laughs) I love love their little like Popeye the Sailor Man butt leg combination. It's just so adorable. So cute. All right. Next up from Portia, she, her uh, had the same correction. Plus this. One time I asked my aunt Libby if she'd lip my lipper. She giggled and told me it was called a zipper. With this information, I confidently asked her, Aunt Zibby, would you zip my zipper? Also... Here in the South, we have a giant flying bird-like roach. Uh, these things are nightmares. They're the things nightmares are made of. Don't let anyone tell you they're palmetto or water bugs. They're giant flying cockroaches. Thank you. So, <laughs> so my son tells me he doesn't like uh, all of the cocks outside right now. <laughs> Same, what? kiddo. Same. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I like to call cockroaches cocks. That was an uncomfortable correction for him. I love your show. I listen to every episode. You all help keep me sane in this insanity. We still have a long way to go, so may the odds be ever in our favor. Here's my pet tax, our rescue dogs. Bullet is the large male and Ray is the black female. She was found a block from where we found Bullet. Bullet is jealous of my male cat and everything. He's my bestie. Ray is as sweet as pie and jumps straight up when she's excited, repeatedly. Love them both. So glad they adopted us. Guess what they are. Okay. Oh, that's a... First one. I see... Rottweiler. I see Rottweiler, Shepherd, and also some Beagle. And there's probably like Schnauzer in there. because Just mixed in. Anything like it. And the second... Oh, the girl is so a that's lab. Bullet. That looks like a Rotty too. A baby Rot. Yeah, I would say a rot. And ooh, it looks like there's some markings. So I would say Australian in there, like almost like a red healer. You see Yeah, it? or a, a blue healer. Yeah. So Australian shepherd dog in there. And Ray. Gosh, yeah, that, that that's a pretty square head on that dog. Yeah. Maybe boxer. All right, let's see. Answer. Ray's breed percentage. Pitbull, Chow Chow, Cocker Spaniel, Korean Jindo, Shetland Sheepdog, and Terrier Guard Herding, 25% breed okay. groups. Okay. Well, it's the first one. American stuff. Uh, I thought Ray was the big. Well, they're marked. So oh, Ray's bullet. the last one. Ray. Oh, oh, okay. And then the other one is Pitbull, Australian Shepherd. You got it. Chow Chow, German Shepherd Dog, Rottweiler. Ooh, we got like three. We got a good. We did well on that one. Awesome. What's up? Pew. No schnauzer. <laughs> oh, my God. I, we just have to every once in a while just hope that we're right. Okay. Yeah, um, and there's chow chows get around um, right they're in a lot of dogs <laughs> they're in a lot of dogs all right we'll do this next one i'll take it annie pronouns she and her hi to agdg and ac on all the other beans queens i'd like to share some of my favorite swears i enjoy calling bad drivers turkey butts Annie, watch your language. I also used it for the former guy. I try to be polite. However, I have been known to say, 
Uh, you can fold it in four corners and stick it where the moon don't shine. <laughs> I'll use horse hockey instead of bullshit. My mom tried not to swear, but would say, son of a sea dog, every now and again. This is the most <laughs> innocent swear share I've ever heard. I know. I thought you were saying pod text instead of pod tax. So I attached her pictures of my two rescue pets, mother and daughter Millie and Tilly. They are senior dogs, but don't act like it. Oh gosh, they're cute. Oh, oh, and their little bed and their little feet over the, oh. Uh, Little ballerina feet. And the ears. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so cute. All right, AG, you've got a a long one, but a good one. So take take it away. Yeah, this is a a note uh, I received. This is good news. And it starts with... Uh, AG, because I still can't call you Allison. I have listened to MSW from the beginning, from the kitchen table days to today. You are part of my morning, every weekday morning. I have appreciated your in-depth dives on the Mueller investigation, the book clubs, and the news with swears. But most of all, I think I need to thank you for a reminder to take care of my mental health. I have been anxious and suffered with depression since I was a child, but my strict evangelical upbringing meant I got punished for it and never given any counseling or medication because, quote, people will think you're crazy, unquote. I carried that internalized stigma through college, through grad school, through the death of my mom and through my dad's mental break and going no contact with him. I managed to mask most of my issues through it all. I married my amazing husband in 2008 and we suffered through years of infertility, We finally found out in April of 2013 we were expecting our daughter. But then our anatomy ultrasound turned from joy to horror and a flood of specialist appointments. It showed our baby had a severe congenital heart defects and heterotaxy syndrome, which means her body organs are misplaced, malformed, or missing. She has medical issues with her heart, lungs, airways, intestines, kidneys, and liver, and she's missing her spleen. We were told she had just a 15% chance of living to age one and only a 5% chance of living to age five. Savannah had two huge open heart surgeries before she was two and became 100% pacemaker dependent. I watched her code in front of me and nearly lost her multiple times. I went through all that with no mental health care, still clinging to that stigma that I would be seen as crazy and that I needed to hide my anxiety as much as possible. I continued living deep in the pit of depression and became incredibly and increasingly anxious when the former guy was elected. You see, my daughter only survived her first three years of life because of the Affordable Care Act. Her list of pre-existing conditions is pages long, and her medical bills top $3 million. She's well past lifetime caps. We are only not completely bankrupt because of maximum out-of-pockets. I was terrified they would repeal the Affordable Care Act and sign my daughter's death sentence. Her care is unaffordable without insurance. I started listening to MSW and loved hearing the evolution of the podcast over time. You, Jordan, Mandy, DG, and Amy have become friends I've never met. You spoke openly about mental health issues from the beginning, which was what gave me the ability to be more open and honest with my husband about my anxiety and depression. Then you added, take care of your mental health to your tagline, and every day that reminder came through my headphones. Then COVID hit, and it hit us exceptionally hard. We had to go on total isolation. No family, no friends, everything delivered, wiping down groceries with bleach wipes and quarantining for 72 hours, no eating out, no curbside pickup, no drive through Total home quarantine. In the midst of it all, our HVAC gave out. And we struggle financially because of medical bills, but that was the straw that, for whatever reason, broke my emotional and mental health's back. I had anxiety so bad I had chest pains, end on end, for days. I was so deep in depression I couldn't even cry anymore. I often couldn't sleep, and when I did it wasn't restful. 
I started to grit my teeth to get through it as I always had. But there you were every day telling me to take care of my mental health. And so I scheduled a telemedicine visit with my primary care physician. And I told a medical professional what my mental health was really like for the first time. I started therapy. I saw a psych. I got medication. It's been about a year now. My mental health is not perfect, but I am better now than I have ever been in my whole adult life and probably my childhood too. I couldn't remember what it felt like to be a functional person and now I'm a functional person most days. I no longer spend every day at the bottom of the depression pit. I don't have the never-ending anxiety every day. I smile. I laugh. I enjoy life. I enjoy my miracle of a daughter who is seven now. Literally the first wave of heterotaxy kids to survive this long, thanks to pioneering cardiothoracic surgery. And I have you to thank for so much of it. That voice every day telling me to take care of me and take care of my mental health helped me bury my learned stigma and make a change. So thank you for the pods and for your reminders and for your company through this pandemic. Please keep reminding us all to take care of our mental health. It makes a difference. I'm pretty sure it saved me. Signed, Lori. <clears throat> if you would like to help, there'll be a GoFundMe link in the description for Savannah. And uh, they also have a PayPal set up, paypal.com slash Savannah's heart. Hey, G, thank you and for I, sharing that with us. I know that it wasn't um, easy for either of you. <clears throat> But I, I, you know, um, I reached out. She said it was okay to share this because she thought it, it, it could help even if it just helped one person. You know, and I have very different circumstances, yeah. but I, I know what it's like to be in that cryless bottom of the, of the pit with no light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. And I'm glad that you've been able to get yourself out of it. And I'm very glad, Lori... Uh, Lori, I'm just, I am so glad that whatever it took, whether it's AG's voice or your own courage and your own strength, because you have to remember that was inside you the entire time. It was triggered by something you heard. So just uh, please take great pride in the fact that that was always inside you and always mm -hmm. will be on the days where you don't feel as strong. So, uh, yeah. my goodness. And that makes you uh, a warrior. Indeed. Okay, well, we're going to end on that note. <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll, I'll never stop saying it. Everyone, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans After Party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. 
Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans <laughs> with appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, the rain. Like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs. You're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves. The waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? Was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say, I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's a little bird from house the point of soul. view. Uh song from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones. Um 